I'm Commander Shepard, and Normandy FM is my favorite show on the Citadel. Normandy FM. 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 Hello and welcome to another wonderful, special, awesome, spectacular edition of Normandy FM. Ken, I'm very happy today. Why is that? Because we have a returning guest who is now the all-timer in terms of appearances on this show, I believe. One Natalie Flores is here. Yes, it's me, the Turian expert. Hello, everyone. We we could not have an episode about a Turian character without you, even if it's not the one, the only, the goat. Uh, Vetra seems like she matches up pretty well to Garrus, so... We, we will see. We will explore that in this episode, after all. <laughs> oh, oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm already just bracing myself for, for the hot takes because Vetra has been one of the more interesting characters. Uh, but maybe this particular loyalty mission felt a little off for me. So we're going to spend a lot of time dissecting the various ways that this happens. As always, I'm Eric Van Allen. Kenneth Shepard is my co-host. Natalie Flores is here. We're talking Vetra about all the the loyalty mission for Vetra in Mass Effect Andromeda, as well as uh, just kind of Vetra in general. Uh, So cards on the table, I will say, I've been kind of teasing about which character I'm going to end up romancing in this game. And I am still indecisive. (laughs) So No, I I was like, I was ready to like get my Turian fucker solidarity ban, like banner, and be like, yes, Eric, oh my god, but... Look, what if my rider is so chaotically powerful that she just wants wants it all and cannot I mean, choose? That's that's absolutely fair. Um, I, I will say life doesn't quite work out that way, rider. Uh, well, that's but... why we made video games, all right. That's true. <laughs> um, Who is she leaning towards? Do you have any idea? So she's got to have a preference. I I will say that in looking at this. PB is the one who I, I came in. I was like, okay, this is obviously like my thing. This I always go for the Asari romances in Mass Effect. Like they're always just the most interesting to me. Uh, I think Asari culture is really cool, and also the Asari always end up being that like powerful biotic badass. Uh, who sadly you cannot romance the true powerful biotic badass, but we settle for what we can do here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Vetra was interesting to me because. I I like her character a lot, the way that she's designed around this, like, bucking of Turian trends. She's not that militaristic lifestyle that, that Garrus uh, was in Mass Effect. Yeah. She's very much more like she's a smuggler, but she's also got, like, a heart of gold. And I'm like, cool, this is, like, a much cooler 
option also all of her flirting lines are way better than pb's like i'm just putting that out there like <laughs> vetra's got some really sly flirty lines that's like okay okay yeah they're really sly and i i love her reaction every time like she's just mm-hmm. like like at least with mine she's like oh my god gay panic uh I'm gonna go smuggle a box and like put myself in there she she tries to be like really cool and then like it's like when you're flirting in real life and you say something like really cool and you're like all right yeah now turn around and walk out and you like trip over the doorstep like (laughs) just eat it right there it's like that's powerful vetra energy and that's why i like her a lot i know Um, she's great Sorry, I'm like super frogged up and all that today. No, no, it's okay. Uh, the, it's the the Vetra feelings, and then is. Kenneth is on the he's in the Andromeda Galaxy. He's communicating from the Andromeda Galaxy today. Well, so for for the listeners at home, it won't sound any different. But for us here in the quote unquote Normandy FM podcast studio, uh, <laughs> Ken changed his headset last episode. And now it sounds like he's phoning home from whatever like <laughs> spaceship he's orbiting the planet on, and so we it, call it, it the sounds tempest. yeah, it sounds normal on the recording. Oh, that's but, interesting. Yeah, because he's recording on his computer uh, through a different mic. Like gotcha. that's how that's how he sets this up. I don't understand. It's just, I don't understand it's, why he does it's, this. It's galaxy because brain it's, levels. Like I got two literally. things that like, are operating independently so they don't like step on each other. Because if my computer has too much going on at once, it's not going to work very well. So now I just use my phone to talk to you guys, and then I just record on my computer. So like, there's this nice separation there, so nothing has to step on each other's toes, and it's all good. Yeah, it's all very yeah. good. And we're about That's to talk efficiency. about Vetra, so it's even more good. Yeah, it's a win, win, win. <laughs> God, I can't take you. <laughs> Aren't Vetra. you happy that you're stuck in the train with me? Vetra. <laughs> um, so, the, once again, as with all loyalty missions, this starts out... Well, hold on, hold on. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Natalie, we always ask our guests, why Vetra? What, what appealed to you about Vetra beyond the obvious attraction to Turians that you have <laughs> i feel like you got ahead of yourself because of that like it's like like that's enough of a reason for natalie to pursue but like i'm gonna be honest yeah that's i'm sometimes i'm a very simple gal sometimes i'm you know i'm a complex human being but at the end of the day i just love Turians. and before even vetra was revealed before her name was out there before anything i just knew i was going to bang the turian like whatever the turian was like listen like they could have wanted to kill off the entire galaxy and i still would have found a way to be like you know that's hot i'll go after it because you're a turian and i've already got an experience in the whole like nearly like murderous slash extremely morally ambiguous you know love interest apartment with solace and dragon age uh, and Fenris, I mean, he was a little, you know, out there with the whole, like, plunging his fist into people's hearts and all that. So this is, this is, that's not uncharted territory for me. There are no limits to what, you know, I can accept as long as the core, important, foundational uh, aspects are involved. And for me, in Mass Effect, there is only one, and that is the Arturian. And that's, that's it. <laughs> Sometimes that is that is enough. Something uh, your voters, life is really that simple and clean, you know, like the Kingdom Hearts song, oh, you know, God, simple. No, <laughs> no, 
<laughs> we spent listeners at home we spent a solid half hour before we even hit record on this podcast just talking about fire emblem three houses Ugh. to the point that ken's now gonna buy this video game <laughs> which so overall worth it but if we start talking kingdom hearts on here this will never actually get to mass effect right. so um should have mentioned dimitri and the whole like murderous oh department too but i didn't want to oh, remark man. on fire emblem because we just tortured kenneth for the last half hour so let's uh mentioning solace and dimitri in the same breath is maybe shining a little bit of light (laughs) (laughs) one is murderous and ugly the other is murderous and beautiful i have a type yeah it's the the constant in that that it's what worries me (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what it says about me and i don't want to think about it too much eric i think about these things a lot (laughs) the other constant in mass effect is that we always have a run-up to our loyalty missions so we have to do a little bit of a go and chat to somebody before we head out to what the actual mission is. Uh, Sid, who is Vetra's sister, and is very, very crucial to, honestly, most of uh, Vetra's story at this point. I mean, Sid ends up being a hub for, like, other quests and stuff like that, too. But uh, she lets us know that it sounds like settlers are missing from outposts, and she's tracked them out to uh, where they might be. And we got to go track that down. And already, right off the bat, we get the sense of of what the relationship between Sid and Vetra is like. Because uh, that's really what most of this loyalty mission ends up being about, is who Vetra is and how she relates to her sister and what they're upbringing, like how they ended up shaping them as they are in the Andromeda Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's really interesting at the start maybe this is very different for me because I'm an older sibling, but I think that's why I end up like enjoying a lot of Vetra's story because even from the start, I I very much like felt that you have a weird, like I I wouldn't even say it's weird, but like this need to like defend your younger siblings from the world. Um, I know that when I was younger, I (laughs) used to um, myself and my, my younger sister, used to uh pick on people who would try and pick on my uh on my brother we we would uh we would go mess him up so um we defended him alex if you're listening shout out to you (laughs) um he he's a regular listener to the podcast but he knows most of that by now so um but as as older siblings i mean i did the same for my sister too like we're very defensive of our Mm. younger siblings where we will tease them and we will give them crap, but anybody else who does so, uh, -uh, not going to take that. And Mm. so I felt a lot of that early on with, with Vetra's story. And so it really adds this like personal element that I felt like had been missing going into maybe not Liam's, you know, Liam had some kind of compelling stuff going on there, but definitely with like Cora's where, theirs were more about what they were missing and Vetra's is more about trying to protect what she currently has. And Mm -hmm. I I thought that was a more interesting way to take this. Um, But I'm interested to hear what y'all felt about Vetra, like going into the loyalty mission. To touch on like sort of the sibling dynamic here. I think though, the thing that is always a little bit, not unsettling, but like it kind of is like a weird thing to like be the third party watching happen is Vetra is, like, she's very protective of Sid, and, like, you can kind of know, like, she means well in what she's doing, 
but she also is like really quick to kind of put down Sid and like her what she wants to do and her like gung ho attitude. Like there's even um when I was making my way up to this uh, mission, I had Jaw with me like as my other uh, party member and. Jaw says something like, oh, I'd like to meet Sid sometime. And Vetra's like, oh, she's a pain in the ass. And she's like, Jaw goes like, why do you say things like that all the time? Like, about your about your sister. And then Vetra has this moment of realization, like, I, I do say things like that. That is something that, like, comes very naturally to me to kind of, like, put down my sister in the same breath as me defending her. And it really sets up, like... I think their their dynamic is very interesting to watch kind of like unravel and ebb and flow in the way it does in this mission because Vetra kind of has to also like yeah she means well but she also like in the ways in which she babies her sister kind of is probably her the way that Sid views her like her capabilities and the, her ideas and what she wants to do and so that to me is like an interesting wrinkle to their relationship and this mission as a whole Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I guess I so I'm an only child. I think both of you have mm. siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm an only child. So I I think that might be a big reason why I didn't connect to the loyalty mission as much as mm. you two did. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was like I felt like a lot of the other loyalty missions dealt with. The characters themselves and their individuality mm-hmm. and their ambitions and like what they wanted and like you said what they were missing um but this one focused i felt at the time like too much on her sister which i guess also speaks to her character in the sense that like her sister is all that she has and she hasn't really lived her own life up right. until this mm-hmm. point because mm-hmm. she's she and her sister have had to survive. And she does mention that at some point, you know, the work that she did was enough to make them be comfortable. They weren't struggling for food or anything. But at the same time, it's like, you know, that was her life, basically, working to help the two of them survive. And so I I guess I feel mixed about it. Like, on one hand, I do get it. And then on the other hand, I feel like we've already had this whole protect your younger sister thing before in Mass Effect with Miranda Mm. but I felt Mm -hmm. like Miranda's was handled more gracefully because I feel like Miranda learns a lot about herself in her own loyalty mission she learns that you know her father uses people that she cares about for leverage um, but also that her compassion at the end of the day is the most important thing even if her father does that and even if she gets hurt it's her compassion and her love for the people that she does have by her side here and now that um, she can you know find her way through life and that she can find happiness outside of her father and the trauma that he um you know, inflicted upon her. With Vetra, I don't feel like she really learns anything about herself through this loyalty Mm. mission. I feel like it's just more like, okay, we mentioned Sid, and Sid, you know, popped up off screen several times. So let's use this to justify that and to show who Sid is. And so it's like, I, I wanted to learn more about Vetra herself like I wanted to see a change in Vetra or just something more significant in Vetra herself because if I wanted to know Sid that much you know like 
I don't know, find a way to help me learn about her, you know, well, because I went into this wanting to learn more about Vatra, but I guess then it also makes sense because, I mean, Sid is everything to Vatra. So, like, mm. I don't know. It's a little, it's a little mixed for me. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting. And I think we'll, listeners of the show will fondly remember that one of our favorite beats here is man, I would have loved to see how this would have panned out in one to two future games. <laughs> and, oh my god, yes. Uh, boy, I'm just going to reiterate that here. Because uh, I do actually think that this is a good like story story setup, character setup, I think, for future development for Vetra in the same way that if Miranda's story, while it was still very good in Mass Effect 2, if it just ended in Mass Effect 2, it, I would not remember her as fondly as I do with the addition of stuff from Absolutely. Mass Effect 3 and especially Citadel as well. Yeah, I was um, thinking about that as I was um, sorting my thoughts out in preparation for the podcast. So I'm I'm glad it's like a a very strong sentiment here. And I do agree. Mm-hmm. Like, like Garrus's mission in the first Mass Effect, like... Yeah, I wanted to bang him because he was a Turi, and I had already settled on that. But that's not the point. The point is that, like, it wasn't interesting enough to make me, like, explicitly desire to do it out of, like, other supporting factors that weren't that he was a Turi. And I'm sorry for fetishizing Turians, everyone. I'm so deep with this. She's it's... problematic. Oh, no. But, yeah. Are, like... are Turians murderous? <laughs> Uh, well military culture oh no that does say a lot about murderous sad oh god (laughs) natalie how do you feel about saren how do you feel about him saren he's hot no fair i'm gonna say he he the most murderous story that i know of oh oh uh, you said saren i thought you i thought you were talking about the the guy from dragon age 2 the is isn't his name Farron? fenris Fenris. Fenris? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I adore I Fenris. He is the epitome of the pretty, murderous, sad boy. I, oh my god, no, this is really my type, isn't it? I hadn't realized this before today, like how far it goes. Okay, we're we're moving. We're Welcome moving to back. the real podcast, Revelations with <laughs> Eric and Ken. I'm having a, like, not a midlife crisis, but like a young Mid-ship adult crisis, crisis on this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Midship. Crisis. Yeah, yeah. This is actually this is a podcast where we trick people into coming on, and through Mass Effect, we dissect what their type is, and then we like thrust it at them. It's <laughs> absolutely true. Like astrology, we don't know her. Uh, Normandy FM personality assigning types according to who you thirst for. Yeah, that's better than astrology. Speaking of Ken, that meme that you posted on the Normandy FM account, good work on that because. Yeah. <laughs> That was very telling of everyone, ourselves included. Oh, the, the romance one? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That was a fun thing to watch unfold. Yeah. I like when Ken tweets on there because you just know when it's him. Like It's it is with you, the exception like of one shit, single you're tweet. You're like, oh, it's Ken. Like, it's just beautiful. Or like if it's Caden, anything, just just Caden. Yep. Like someone acknowledging Caden's oh, yeah. existence. It's like, oh, okay, that's kind of... Uh, with the exception of one lone tweet, it's always Ken that's on that account. I, I've only ever contributed one tweet to that account. It's, it's a very good one. I'm very proud of it. Do you remember it? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's, oh, okay. from, it's from the end of Mass Effect 3 where you get up to address all of your squad mates right before you're about to go head into the last battle in London. 
and it pops up with the dialogue choice and it says soldiers and comrades and i just sent that screenshot to ken with the two genders (laughs) and he was like retweeting that (laughs) (laughs) that's so good oh my god or you can make it like commander shepherd just stepping up and then her speech or his speech being like Oh no, everyone, don't die. You're so sexy. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Jesus> <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> oh god. Uh. Isn't that every Mass Effect? Oh no, you're Pretty so much. sexy. Don't die in this galactic battle. Uh huh. Just like b- before every mission, just turn around and say it to your squad. <laughs> I'm sorry, I love that meme. I just think about it constantly. It's, like, a, it's a good one. It's a good meme. I, okay, so speaking of sexy veterans, no, hold on, side <laughs> side tangent here. There's a new meme going around that I think the kids are sharing, and I'm not sure it's it, it's one that came up through Fire Emblem, but it's like the well, those those two are gay, hot damn, good for them or whatever. Is that like a new meme? Is that like is that bleeding edge of memes? I'm going to sh- see this. Okay, I'm going yeah, to share it, it in the Discord chat later because I think it. All right. I think I saw a bleeding edge new meme that's that's out in the wild, and I was like, I've never seen this before, so I thought I'd ask the younger ones, <laughs> the more in tune with what's going the on. Memers. No, we haven't seen it actually, so oh boy. you will have to post teach show, us. post show, and then Ken will figure out a way to turn it into one for Normandy FM. And I was going to walk it. in with that meme, Always. like, "Hello, fellow kids, how do you do? <laughs> this is the meme." <laughs> So, to get to this loyalty mission for Vetra, we have to go to the worst freaking planet in Andromeda, uh, H047C. Not only does it have the worst name, they didn't even bother to name it because it sucks, but apparently it's a planet that's been actually ripped apart by the Scourge, and you don't... So here's the thing, you (laughs) you don't get a lot of reason for it. They're just kind of like, wow, the Scourge really fucked this planet up, huh? But... You land on it, and it's extremely low gravity, and you can only drive the Nomad around. And there are, for some reason, giant pits everywhere that if you fall in them while Drac is in the Nomad, he does a really funny, bad falling down a pit scream. That is actually fantastic. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. I never got that. Oh my god. There's a... Cause I think everybody's got different ones, but Vetra just goes like, shit, shit, shit! <laughs> Drax is really bad, because like, everyone else is like somewhat realistic but it's like they just told drac to to read it and he was just checked out and the voice actor was just like checked out he's like ah <laughs> <laughs> the first time i heard it i just like cracked up because i was i didn't fall all the way down the pit i was like on the side of the walls trying to drive up it slowly falling down it <laughs> and oh it was just God. him going uh, and I'm trying to like drive up the side of a cliff wall like riders there like you're not helping right now <laughs> oh, my um, oh oh my god okay so I haven't seen I haven't heard it and I just looked up on YouTube to see if like maybe there is a video on it there is in fact a 14 second clip of it and I feel like listening to it either now or after the podcast of Drax specifically or like everybody no Drax screaming it's 14 seconds a specific Drax screaming Mm -hmm. compilation do you have a setup right now that you can play it for the show right now no Mm, do you we'll put put it in the show notes we can put it in the show notes yeah yeah just Drax screaming (laughs) it has 249 (laughs) views good <laughs> uh but once we get past the screaming pit of Drac, um 
we we get to I mean can maybe you can help fill me in on this. There are a lot of forward stations on this planet that does not seem to have a lot on it. I was like really mm-hmm. confused because I saw there's one other place that I could have gone to besides the the one where Vetra is being or where where we're going for the Vetra loyalty mission and there are like six forward stations. <laughs> it's I was, a I don't really know like short of Vetra's mission there's not really much to do here and there aren't a lot of quests that lead back to it so I don't I don't really know why those are there other than I guess like for like the completionist sake because like you get you know viability across the entire Andromeda galaxy for it so maybe it's just a math thing I don't know like I I literally never remember coming back here in my five playthroughs except for this mission so, I always forget that you've played through this game so many times. Oh my god, yeah. Like, when he said five, I was like... Ooh. I know, I'm thinking about how much I'm going through just getting through one. <laughs> I did the one, and I, I think I'm good for the rest of my lifetime. Kenneth, you are a trooper, and clearly multiple playthroughs are made for you, so uh, go play Fire Emblem. Okay, moving on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <sighs> mm-hmm. And you're going to love it because just like uh, Andromeda, the beginning of the first half of every Fire Emblem playthrough is the exact same. So <laughs> you really get through it. Um, so once we do actually get to this right place, we get inside this glowing orange bubble. We fall through a trap door and oh no, we've been captured by some random woman named Meriwether who says that Vetra helped all these settlers escape. And Ken, I'm not going to lie... For a hot second, not knowing what this mission actually is or what it entails, uh, I thought this this was going to be a Danganronpa situation. I thought I thought we were going to be in like a death game or something. Hell like yeah! But sadly, that would have for a more interesting game. <laughs> Natalie, hey, Mass Effect Danganronpa. I'm just saying, don't rule I'm it out. I'm just saying, right? like, wouldn't Danganronpa be better with gays in space? Like. That's oh, absolutely your Natalie's shit. Oh, saying that Danganronpa Kenneth. would be improved by Mass Effect. Oh no 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 no! I meant Andromeda, oh, okay. but I'm I am oh, okay, saying okay, okay. if you combine the two, isn't that Kenneth's like dream? Like that's peak. I mean, Kenneth. I would live in that game. Yeah, exactly. And, but yeah, I, would, I mean, you'd probably be. die in it, but <laughs> <laughs> that's no fair. no man. I'm good. Uh, I, like I would just isolate myself, not talk to anybody until somebody dies, and then I'm like, all right. That's the easiest way to die, Ken, <laughs> is to isolate yourself. Isolate yourself. Well, if I never leave my room, nobody can get to me. That Ken, you are writing the setup for a murder right now. (laughs) That's a closed room murder, Ken. (laughs) That's That's so bad. Doors are locked. (laughs) I'm just picturing Ken being like, "Yeah," and then I won't show up to any of the the (laughs) scheduled group meeting times. No alibis, no sightings. He's like that meme of the guy that's tapping his head, like. They can't kill you if you just confine yourself into a solitary room, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Nobody can kill you if they can't get to you. (laughs) Also, isn't Meriwether just a very unintimidating name? Like, I feel like it's just a name that you would give to, like, a fairy godmother or something. So it's a weird thing. Like that, oh, that name is clearly like died by this point. Yeah, if I got kidnapped by someone named Meriwether, I wouldn't be that scared. See, I thought it sounded like the name of some like private military corporation style person because it reminded me a lot of like Treadstone from uh, the Bourne series and all that, where they're like this thing that kind of sounds 
not bad but then also sounds like super vague enough that some dude at the top of the brass was just like yo we'll call it Merriweather and it's about like secret agents that are super killers (laughs) and no one will suspect a thing because it's called Merriweather (laughs) (laughs) so I I'm just gonna say like about two whole dialogue options into this mission I figured out that it was Sid who was organizing all the the settler relocation stuff as we find out by gradually talking to everybody in this room that sid is the one who had in vetra's name organized uh getting all these smugglers out from under merriweather's employment and out into the outpost so they could be actual settlers uh, which is what they've kind of always wanted uh and and we get the as as I think Vetra puts it, that like Merriweather is so extreme that even Sloane Kelly, who we've already met at this point, wouldn't work with her and stuff. So super crazy pirate lady, uh, and not crazy pirate lady in the fun way like we had in Mass Effect Omega. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after we do some some scanning stuff and and some more classic andromeda run around the room scanning thing here's okay ken help me out with this did you have to scan the power cable before you could pick it up and plug it into the to the wall outlet because that part uh, kind of, huh that part kind of got me was i was like wait i had to scan this to to tell that it was a power cable <laughs> like, well no you're, you're, you have to scan like multiple of them and then when you scan them you can tell if they're gonna work or not Oh, oh, okay, okay. I Ryder thought it was like doesn't know power. Yeah, no, I thought it was legitimately that like Ryder is so not good at this job that she doesn't know what a power cable is. Did you play um, the Walking Dead season one? Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's big, like Carly. I don't know how to use batteries, energy, like. Just... Oh God, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh Jesus, <laughs> I need to go back and play the end of that series. I have that third... Is it the third? No, it's the fourth, fourth the final, season. whatever. Yeah, I never played it. Sadly. I played the first episode. I thought it was good. And then all that stuff happened. Yeah. <sighs> Rest in peace. Um, yeah. So after we've scanned some things, we, we do get this kind of cool... Like, cool kind of section where we run into the side door and kind of like... It's it's almost almost a little comical how we like hide in a room... And then all the guards run past us, and then we pop out behind them. But it's kind of an interesting, like, introduction to what the overall mechanic of this this whole level is going to be, which is that before we go into a room, we're kind of looking at a security camera and making choices about what we're going to do, and that's going to affect the combat situation as it pans out. But after we've taken out the guards, we find out, ta-da, it was Sid who's on... The line and using a voice modulator to sound like Vetra. Uh, oh no! Don't use a voice modulator to impersonate your sister. You're so sexy. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Mm. So at this point, we we start getting into the dialogue and like the main crux of this loyalty mission and like Vetra's whole character arc, which is Sid wants to get involved in Vetra's business. You know, she wants to, but but in like a way that can help people. Uh, but it's maybe Sid's maybe a little bit more idealistic, whereas Vetra understands like the the realities of the work, which involves a lot of bloodshed and a lot of like sneaky business and a lot of shady business deals and things going bad and all that. Uh, that Sid is maybe not prepared for. 
so as as we start working our way through and like during these sections i i definitely like made choices that like like i opened the workshop to get in to get all that stuff i was like cool let me fight more enemies i don't really care uh and i would turn off the turrets and things like that uh the one thing i liked this concept of doing stuff in a room that would affect the combat encounter but the thing i didn't like was that it didn't feel like there was a trade-off at all like i was trying to remember i think it was didn't mass effect 2 or mass effect 3 do something similar to this where you would make a decision about like what combat encounter you were going to face and it would be like harder or more difficult depending on which way it was um it was tally's tally's uh, recruitment mission in mass effect 2 where you had the different ways of approaching the geth uh not juggernaut what's the really big walker that that shoots the stuff it's been so long i can't remember what the prime? name of all the geth are yeah. yeah no it was a geth prime oh, uh and no it was a colossus it, it was one of those. Two. Yeah, it was one of the, it was my one of the memory walkers. usually isn't right, so I was like, "Oh, really? That, that was right." I think Colossus is the. <laughs> I think Geth Prime is like the really big walking one. Yeah. Um, Geth Colossus is what I was thinking of. The white uh, one. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. 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 Colossus that can like self repair. Uh, yeah. So you have like the different ways of approaching it, and depending on which way you go, you know, maybe you're going to fight less Geth, but you'll have better cover, or maybe you know you'll have cover against the Colossus, but there will be a lot of Geth, or vice versa. You won't have any cover against the Colossus, but you don't have to fight any Geth. Uh, and even there, when that stuff felt very artificial and not really a choice. I liked that it offered these sorts of trade-offs, whereas here it was just like, hey, what neat thing do you want to do in this room before you move well, on? Well, I mean, in some rooms, like in the early rooms, maybe but there were other ones where like, it's like, oh, do you want to let out these monsters who will most certainly kill these slavers? Right. Yeah, so they... But they then you have to fight them. They pose some of those that, like, maybe you'll have to fight them, but I don't think that's... The thing I didn't like about that was that didn't feel like an interesting option. It was just like, do you want to fight more enemies for more reward? And... I mean, the answer for most people is always going to be yes. Like, yeah, I want to do that thing because I want more stuff because that's what video games are, is making the numbers go up. But my my example about Tally's mission was that you were still kind of, you were facing a combat puzzle either way, but the question was not necessarily about being given a reward. It was about how you wanted to tackle this mission and it would kind of change to suit that accordingly. And so I would have almost liked to see, like, hey, we can turn off the turrets, but maybe that sends power into a mech suit that's on the other side of the room or something like that. Or or if you turn off the mech suit, maybe that lets them, like, charge up a Tesla coil in the middle that will, like, start zapping you in the middle of the fight or something like that. Like, I wanted to see some sort of trade-off that you were making a conscious decision about, I'm going to fight overwhelming odds, but I'm going to pick which overwhelming odd I want to deal with. Whereas... A lot of the times it felt like, hey, do you want to fight less enemies or more enemies? <laughs> um, and then maybe it would give you some sort of reward for that if you chose the more option. Um, and I might be splitting right. hairs. I understand that I might be splitting hairs here. Yeah, too, I but. mean, what I what I personally, what appealed to me most about it was that it was less about, like, do I want to fight more or less enemies? But it's more like, what kind of advantage can I give myself that suits my playstyle? Because, like, say, like, I'm, I'm actually blanking a little bit on some of the examples, but, like, say I know that I fight better against, like, the, like a fiend and those, like, 
monsters than I do against like uh, shielded henchmen. enemies and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And think, like if you want to be like, you know, I'll let them out. They will kill those enemies, and then I'll deal with the ones that I have, like that I'm better equipped to handle. So like that was kind of that's the interesting part to me is like how the ways that somebody makes a different decision about what they want Sid to hack or disable what it says about that person's playstyle and like what it is that they value in terms of mm. how they fight what they fight that that I I think that's a pretty cool concept like it starts out fairly simple too because it is you know just uh do you want do you want to open up the weapons locker or do you want to blow up uh what was it like it's it's like a generator or something in the middle of it yeah Yeah, yeah. and like electric the one i did like was i think it's the last room where you have the option of either disabling the mech which is obviously like you don't have the mech on the field anymore which is a very straightforward option which i think is why i didn't like that room or why i'm making this distinction but the other ones were more interesting where it was like do you want to blow up this fluid canister which will make the floor the floor will be lava can't touch the, the lava but it'll be bad for the enemies and for us. And like, that's the trade off you have to make is that, are you okay with maneuvering around this? If it means that the enemies will also be at a disadvantage. And I think things like that are more interesting than some of the other ones that had, which were like, Hey, blow this up. It'll probably kill some people. (laughs) Like I, I like the idea of ones that, like you said, change the way you play. And I actually hadn't thought about that, that if I had let the monsters out as a biotic, it would have been better for me because they don't have shields or armor to block my biotics. So I would have had an easier time getting rid of them. But also I was like, I don't want to kill the animals. They didn't do anything wrong. So that's, that's the, yeah. and then the Elcor, not the Elcor. I always call them Elcors. <laughs> the, the fiend came out and tried to eat me anyway. So. <laughs> oh, it certainly did me. I had to do this. I had to do that fight twice. Kenneth got yeeted. Yeeted? Yo. When am I going to learn? What's what's the past tense of yeet? Uh, to yeet. Ye- yeeted. He got yeeted. Yeah. To have been yeeted. He got yacht. To, to have been yet. <laughs> to get yeeted or not, to get yeeted or not yeeted. That is the question. <laughs> Try your best to not get yeeted. Good lord. Anyway. Um. I was so, like, I don't think that sounds right, but it's not really a word. But it's fine. The other the other trade off of all these rooms is that. I, I like that you have this very visual image of Sid watching as this is all happening because she is then watching Ryder and Vetra and whoever else you brought along for, for me, it was Drac, uh, for that wonderful scream, <laughs> uh, like literally butcher their way through these rooms of mercenaries and just mm-hmm. kill people <laughs> like in no. just horrible ways. Like she's watching, like if you actually stop and think about it, she's watching people get like attacked by animals there's explosions going off. There's electricity that is like frying people. Like, and and some of these Sid is causing. <laughs> right. She's very much like, oh, I didn't realize that this is what all this entailed. To where I was again like, really? <laughs> he didn't didn't put right. this one together, huh? That that big sis is not like the the Disney version of a smuggler, but like the real life version of a smuggler <laughs> um which which is also kind of fun because I, I i feel like that lends a little bit more weight to what you're doing in this game because up to this point there's been a lot of levity uh especially with like liam's loyalty mission having been the last one that we did where it was very much like 
Disney-fied violence where it's like, haha, swashbuckling adventure and stuff like that. Like Guardians of the Galaxy fun where like people get murdered in Guardians of the Galaxy, but you don't think about that happening. Like you're never like, oh, someone just died. <laughs> like that dude just mm. died. You don't really think about that in Guardians of the Galaxy the way you do in a movie like Saving Private Ryan and that's like what's happening here is sid's watching on in horror as like riders like haha more biotics let's <laughs> kill more mercenaries <laughs> um but eventually we get we get to through all these rooms and sid goes silent and we get to see veteran kind of like panic a little bit because oh crap and we get into the next room and meriwether has taken sid hostage she's basically discovered that sid was the one who was getting into the system and messing with everything. And so she has taken Sid as, as a hostage to try and uh, kill off Shepard and Vetra and get out scot-free. Ryder. Ryder. God, I keep making that. I will never stop making that. Ken, I'm going to blame you because of your name. Because <laughs> I'll, always, I'll always look up at the notes. And, like, this is this is good. I have someone else here who can help justify me in this. Natalie, look at these notes. The word rider never appears, but you know what is on my Discord screen right now? Twice? (laughs) Chef. Okay, so I'm not wholly at fault for this. Yeah, at first I was going to tease you, and then I realized that was a very nice save. I will give it to you. I I will give this one to Eric. A nice save, as if I've been planning for this eventual moment, and not like this has happened every week. (laughs) You should have been planning for this moment. That's what it's about, because you've been doing it so much. I told told a friend this earlier today. Uh, I have a predilection for lying. Oh, Ken, do not change your name to Ryder. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to help you. I'm still gonna mess it up, you know that. <laughs> but then, um, uh, what will you do when the aliens visit us and Caden comes with them, and then he sees that your Discord name is oh, Ryder? Yeah. Ryder, not yeah, he's gonna Commander like, Shepard of the Alliance, the first yeah. human specter. Technically, he's be like, second. I came here for a man named Kenneth Shepard, not Kenneth Ryder. Well, you guys make a very compelling point. <laughs> there he now. goes. He changed it back. That's you just need to say something about Caden or something gay, and Kenneth will will hear you out at the very least. Mm-hmm. Same, but with Garrus, not Caden, because mm-hmm. I left him on Vermeer. Anyway, uh, we are moving. Jesus Christ! Got it. <laughs> well, that, was, that was six hundred years ago. So let's get back to Mass Effect Andromeda. Let's yeah, it's six hundred years of Caden being dead on Vermeer. So. <laughs> 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 Oh uh, no, don't get blown up on Vermeer. You're so sexy. Huh? Speaking, speaking <laughs> of explosions, can we both shot the grenade? Well, we don't shoot the grenade, but we shoot at I wanted I thought we were going to shoot the grenade, which would have been really cool. But now the more I say it, the more I realize that's not the good plan. That's the bad plan. So um I said most certainly would have died. Well, okay, so Again, this is bothering me. I saw a clip of the movie Gemini Man the other day because I was bored and on Twitter. And there's a part where Will Smith shoots a grenade and it bounces back against the wall and towards other Will Smith and then blows up. And I don't know why that bothered me, but I was like, wait, that is two points of heavy impact where a grenade did not blow up. That now I'm like reconsidering how grenades work or how Will Smith movies work. But we shoot at Meriwether to get her to drop the grenade, which Vetra then like tosses back at them and we get into a gunfight here. But 
the actual fight with Meriwether is super dull. Like, yeah, she's just kind of a especially because like, does she have shields? When I shot at her, she didn't have no, shields. no. Like she, she has nothing. She she just has. Her. I mean, that might like maybe if you don't do the interrupt, you don't shoot her. She has shields or something. But at this point, like, no, she's just got a health bar and. It, fighting her and her goons is fairly straightforward, unlike, you know, the end of Liam's mission, which was pretty cool, because, like, you gotta take down the shields, you gotta deal with the the giant fiend, you gotta capture points, and, but this is just very, I'm a charge around and fuck some shit up, and that's about it. it She's it like, y'all got me. shields ripped to you, but I'm different. <laughs> <laughs> I, it reminds me of, like, that new Ghost Recon game came out and I saw that you can like fight the final boss almost immediately after starting the game and you can kill him just by shooting him in the head once. And I was like, that's kind of beautiful in a that's way. Me. Like that's Same. like the Far Cry endings where you just like sit there after he tells you to sit there and he comes back, he's like, Hey, thanks. You know, thanks for waiting on me. Let's go uh let's go see about taking care of all that stuff now. It's like that's the end of Far Cry. Oh, I was like, that happens. That's so funny. Yeah, I've never uh, played a Far Cry game in my life, so you should look up the like secret ending for Far Cry Four because that's right. I I think all Far Cry Three has a really dumb secret ending that's really bad, but and like also like high key problematic in a lot of ways. <laughs> but uh, Far Cry Four has a really good secret ending, and Far Cry Five is okay. But uh, that was the. Fours was the one that got really popular because it is he's just like hey wait here for me and like obviously as a gamer you're like oh no i gotta go follow him and see what's going on but if you actually do just sit there and wait for him to come back it's just like okay cool let's go take care of this now and then you like do the thing that you do at the end of the game and then it's done like congratulations (laughs) i will will play it after the andromeda drax screaming video (laughs) play them together side by side oh well, He's same. like, hold on, let me go, let me go take care of something real quick, and then start playing the Drax screaming in the background, just looped. <laughs> <laughs> or just, like, sitting there, and you're Drac, and you're like, ah, <laughs> which is me in class every day, I so. I waiting. <laughs> he comes back like, you, you good? You good? You need something? Uh, All right, let's go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this, this fight is not great, but we get a little bit of a moment between Sid and Vetra at the end, because... You know, Vetra obviously gets really mad uh, because she's like, you know, why were you doing that? What are you doing? And Sid's like, look, I just wanted to, like, do what you did. I wanted to do good in this universe. And she's like, you know, I you started this at the same age I am right now. Uh, why are you, like, you know, the, it's again, if you have siblings, this is very, very much a thing of, like, stop treating me like a kid. Because when you, I mean, even if you don't have siblings, like... I know I have cousins who I'm like, no, you're you're tiny, you're small, you don't get older. That's not how that works. <laughs> like, you get so used to people being a certain age when they're younger than you and family that, like, as you get older, it just keeps weirding you out. Like, oh, yeah, I guess they do age, and I also age, and that's how time and life works. <laughs> but uh, that's kind of the moment that Vetra has here, is that Vetra has to, like, come to terms with the fact that Sid is becoming a person that is herself, that is not, maybe necessarily doesn't need Vetra's, like, protection anymore. Her help, certainly, but not, like, an overbearing older sister. So that that was the part that spoke a lot to me, even though I ended mm-hmm. up feeling like this loyalty mission ends on a really weird note, because you get that 
dialogue and you can either like chime in and agree with one or the other and then sid just kind of storms off and that's it <laughs> and, that's, and and the weirder part is like it ends with the storming off and everyone's super unhappy and then it goes back to the tempest and it's like you got vetra's loyalty <laughs> i was like that yeah that was weird <laughs> the, a lot of it's the, a weird thing like abrupt, yeah. yeah it's like a if you do loyalty missions or like most missions like in a like on a planet that's like a hub you get that sort of like it wants to just set you off to do you know whatever you still want to do on the planet so you have to go on to the tempest to have sort of like the fallout where like Korra and Liam they're in like very like special locations that you go to and then you don't go back to so like you get that immediate sort of wrapping up dialogue but we're like this you actually have to go out of your way to do it but it's still it's a very weirdly paced thing and I don't I don't get it yeah uh in terms of the ending of the mission I do think going back to those really brilliant points that we were making about family and about Vetra and Sid I don't think the writing goes into this so I won't give it the credit but I do think that if the writing were a bit better or had more time to be fleshed out or whatever we can say about it I think it would have been really interesting just to explore the inevitable outcome of this for Vetra which is that not only is Sid becoming her own person but this by extension means that Vetra can no longer define herself Mm -hmm. through being Sid's Mm. older sister because that's really for a long part of the game or most of the game really what you know about Vetra is that she's a smuggler she loves her sister she has a little sister she spent most of her life smuggling to protect her little sister and so that is so much of who she is she hasn't really you know lived as herself as a person without really being Mm. an extension of her little sister and i feel like i almost wish this would have happened early in the story and then the rest of vetra's writing including her loyalty mission would have been about her processing this change or dealing with this change or just something that was more individual for her i feel like the writing for vetra i feel like it doesn't do her justice a lot of the time because she's such an interesting character with so much potential and i feel like i feel like that would have been more interesting to see play out because i imagine that is a difficult transition for her like in a way it's freeing it's like okay my little sibling is their own person and i don't have to you know, feel like a parent to them anymore and I can just do my own thing. But also it's like, it's kind of like when you leave college, it's like, like, what do I do now? Like, it's really hard for a lot of people to deal with and a lot of people get massive depression once they graduate because they're like, I don't know what to do. I followed this system and this schedule and I'm so used to having a schedule to going to classes, to being surrounded by people at a campus that... I've done it for so long, even though I didn't really enjoy doing it all the time. Now it's like, I don't have that anymore. So what do I do and how do I define my days in a way that isn't tied to school? I'm not sure if I'm making much sense, but I feel like similarly, that no, is something that... I'm feeling that incredibly that seen right now, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like... I, imagine I think like to the game's credit... Oh, sorry. I didn't mean oh, no, no, sorry. Uh, yeah, I just imagine Vetra or anyone in her position really would have to deal with those um, feelings. And I feel like I really think the writing should have 
gone in deeper, but we can say that about every character in Andromeda. Well, I think, I kind of think, like, I mean, to the game's credit, that her last scene is kind of her having that same realization. It's like, something I wrote in my notes is like, I feel like Vetra, more than most of the end of the loyal submissions of these characters, has, like, it's it's a lot harder to define where we where I think that character is going because kind of what she talks about when you get to that last scene because like I mean I don't know if you did you do the the scene on Kadara because you're still in the middle of like figuring out no your I did I did not go okay. to Kadara yet I had most of these post loyalty notes that you have I think I did this lamp scene that you mentioned but I did not go to Kadara for that particular well, scene well then I'll just explain like the platonic version because you like in the event that you see like get with Vetra then it's a little bit different for you 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 end up just to, like go in on this like rock climbing sort of thing over in Kadara and it's because she's like I want you to see the view I want you to look at this and she has that moment where she's like I have accomplished what I came to Andromeda to do which is we have found home like you know to varying degrees we have found home there is a place for my sister here I'm kind of free to do whatever it is that I'm like I'm, I'm free to find out what's next so, like, that's maybe not necessarily honed in on in the loyalty mission, but it is, like, at the very tail end of her story in this game, a point that they touch on, because she, like you said, like, she is, what she came here to do, and that she's working for, like, at this point, it would have been, like, a year, or maybe, the, the timeline Andromeda is fuzzy in terms of how long it's been since we got here, but in all that time, she has accomplished what she came here to do. She has made a new life for her and her sister, you know, away from all the expectations of the Milky Way and all the baggage of her family life before. So I think, like, yeah, like, it's it's very late in her story, but it is there. Like, that she does realize that the future is hers now. Like, she is free of that sort of defining thing, which has been, I have to provide a new future for me and my family. That's That's true. And I think in the other aspect we haven't touched on... I think is is like how Sid growing affects the way that Vetra views everything because like the other I mentioned this a little bit earlier but like the the trade off there is that like when you take notice that like your younger sibling is getting older and maturing that can call attention to how much you have grown and matured in the time like in the same amount of time and so I think for Vetra that's suddenly a moment where she's like okay well you know, Sid's finally in a place where she's ready to live on her own, decide her own destiny, does not need me looking over her. What do I do then? Because now I'm essentially supposed to be the adult who's further along in their lives, but I put it on, on hold, kind of making sure that Sid's okay, making sure that everything's going to be all right. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's why I kind of like the idea of, of what you're talking about here with this mission is the idea that she's like, okay, time to live for myself time to right. time to find out like who vetra is you know mm-hmm. take a little self time go to the movies by yourself you know do <laughs> do what you want to do learn to love yourself vetra that's that's what's important uh and man if only we got dlc maybe if we got a second friggin' <laughs> game you know yeah more and more the more we talk about this game the more that we discuss this game like i said last week there there are honest valid criticisms that i have against it Absolutely. but at the same time i want to see what a andromeda 2 would have looked like me too welcome to my personal hell yeah yeah i've it's... always thought that as well just it has so much potential and yeah it wasn't the best but i mean 
I think the team did what they could with the circumstances, which have been covered endlessly. Um, listeners, if they haven't read it yet, though I'm sure they have, the Kotaka report on the development and how troubled it was for Andromeda. So I do think the team did as much as they could have with the cards that they were dealt with. But it is such a it is such a pity. Like, like you know how earlier today I tweeted, like, is, if God is really real, then why does Dragon Age 2 get so much flack, even though it's amazing? Checkmate. <laughs> well, if God is real, then why doesn't Andromeda get a second chance? Checkmate. Mm. I think that's the difference, though, is I think Dragon Age 2, in retrospect, is 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 good in the in the way that like if we go back and visit it now we can see so many things that it did that ended up being so unique compared to what everything yeah, else is you know, the, yes. the way that they the way that they handled so many different things the way that they wrote that game the characters that they had the way the story arc plays out is so unique compared to even how other games like greedfall have tried to attempt to replicate it have never quite managed to get mm-hmm. right nope. uh whereas Andromeda, like, I see all the things I'd rather they get a second stab at that are like, you know, it, it's it's like a different case where it's like, oh, you know, Dragon Age 2 actually had all this incredible stuff going on. Whereas Andromeda is like, man, if they got a second shot at this game, that's, <laughs> this is like maybe a football analogy, but I was <laughs> watching football the other night and the commentators were talking about like how quarterbacks say they'll wish that they had a string tied to the end of the football because once they've thrown it they'll wish they could just yank it right back because they knew it was a bad pass the second they threw it out and i've been thinking about andromeda a lot of like that ways where it's like once you've thrown that game out there you wish you could yank it right back and just like fix the things that needed fixing to make this the game that it could have been the game that i i think with a second game in the series to really flesh out all these characters all this universe all of this combat get rid of all the dumb stuff ken i've recently discovered how uh apex teams work uh (laughs) i i had apparently not been using them right so i had a sudden windfall of resources in this game that i did not have before because i had a bunch of apex loot boxes just like stashed up that i didn't realize Mm -hmm. were there because the game never told me they were there (laughs) so i've got better guns now (laughs) um Look at you go. There's there's just so much in this game. and Well, there's so much in this game, period. It's a huge freaking content-stuffed game. But there's so much in this game that I think could have been so much better if they had just been given that chance to yank the football back. But I agree. I think even with just a DLC, they would have, they would have really done some mm. work to just smooth over a few of those wrinkles in the main game. Like, I have... I still have enough faith... In Bioware, that I know controversial oh, statement. Knock on wood. <laughs> I have enough faith in Bioware that like, if they take had faith in Bioware, if they have no, I do too. Yeah, if they had the the time and weren't stuck in like a hellish development, that even with one just one DLC, I think it would have made a pretty significant difference. But that is for another parallel universe to I'm, see it, through. God, the, the, the there are different versions of us that are enjoying this hypothetical sequel to Mass Effect Andromeda. Oh it's god! Universe. What a what a wonderful universe! Can I like Uchikoshi over to that universe right. real quick? Can I just like jump timelines real quick? <laughs> just real quick, just real quick. On this one, my my crops are flourishing. Mm. My skin is clear. <laughs> uh, 
Caden is in the Andromeda Galaxy. Come on, Kenneth. You. He can't yeah, be in the Andromeda Galaxy because then Shepard's not there. What's uh, Kenneth will find a way. Like he'll just be like, get in that cryostasis bed, bitch, and I'll just like <laughs> sleep for like a few thousands. Of We're gonna years. share a cryopod. Yeah, and just, like hold hands the whole time. Yeah, that's like peak <laughs> romance. Yeah. yeah. Just bros who else can who else can say that they have been in the same cryopod with one person for six hundred years? <laughs> I'm picturing Ken becoming like a super villain, like cloning a bunch of Cadens just to like <laughs> <laughs> like we land on a planet in Andromeda and we're like, hey, this is one of the habitat worlds and it's just like a pyramid with Cadens like face on the Sphinx or whatever and there's like all these Cadens walking around like, Oh, all hail Lord Kenneth. Like <laughs> Emperor Ken. <laughs> this is Ooh, such a boy. Kenneth would be a perfect like gay JRPG villain. Oh, oh my, my god. god. <laughs> this we found his I found my true calling. <laughs> it's, just... it's perfect. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> oh boy. <sighs> Speaking of romance in space. I, uh, I mean we can't really I mean I how much are we allowed to talk romance? about with Eric here? I don't know. Well, so I mean Without delving too much into it, I have... I mean, obviously, you put Vetra as one of your romances on there, right? Or did I see that wrong? I was trying to remember. Uh, Me? Yeah. No, you put Liara, didn't you? I was trying to remember. Cause... I put Liara and Vetra for our... For, like, the show. For the show was, like... one. Oh, because yeah, you cause picked the like... ones that we romance. Oh. Yeah, that was... Ken, that's so thoughtful. <laughs> I... I was... I looked at that, and I was like... I'm so surprised like, that you're being thoughtful. I know, I was like, Ken's ass picked Liara and Vetra, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I did think that was weird. I'm actually very glad that you cleared that up, because I was like, women? In there? <laughs> <laughs> no, I put, like, and then I did my separate one, which was the correct four, which was Caden, Dorian, Fenris, and Gil, so. Oh, the correct okay. four. Oh, oh, the oh, correct I four. I gotta, I gotta uh, look back up. I'm gonna look up who mine were so i can have that in podcast can natalie did you do yours at all the four bioware romances i didn't i probably should because it's very easy do for me i romance the, the same people all right my top four <sighs> solace i'm sorry um garris fenris vetra yeah solid, garris, fenris, solid. and those yeah. are legitimately all the ones that i've romanced like and I, mm. the only outlier would be Zevran and Dragon Age Origins, but that's also a romance that I didn't really care for. Um, so, that's a mood. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> I don't really care for Origins much in general. But, I mean, <laughs> anyway. That's a bigger mood. <laughs> oh, yes! <laughs> oh, thank God. Okay, anyways. Um, yeah, moving mine, on from... <laughs> mine were Cassandra, Tali, Garrus, and Meryl. Meryl nice. is actually probably one of my favorites in Meryl's all of great. You're a Meryl, okay. Yeah, right. Meryl's a okay. really interesting one. Meryl's especially great. The only one that I hate from Dragon Age 2 is Andrews because he's a terrorist, but I mean... Yeah, I mean, look... I mean, we... I might have I made out with that and then... Hey, that, hey, that's fine! I like a terrorist elf too! No look, judgment. That, I mean, that's, that's also true. <laughs> that game makes I, it I like really Kevin. easy to, to make out with Anders at all points of it. Like oh, I, that is so true. I had the rival mance with him, and he was just constantly like, "I hate you. Let's go in the back." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, like, what's going on here?" <laughs> uh, no, yeah. like, I was, I was surprised thinking because I was trying to think about my Dragon Age ones. I was like, "Oh, you know, Morgan was cool," but I, I don't think I was like crazy about Morgan or anything like that. But Cassandra, 
surprisingly like memorable romance for that i I like her character a lot um she's like my second favorite video game female video game character or third favorite yeah second in bioware third overall like she's just fantastic she's awesome She's not Iron Bull, but no one is Iron Iron Bull has his <laughs> own tier, all right? Iron Bull is, like, out here in Iron Bull land, just, like, perfect. Right below Solus. <laughs> Solus, <laughs> Solus is also the in his own tier. Genocidal and that tier elf. is called Jail. The trash. <laughs> That's where people who romance him go. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> oh, Fair. Boy. So... Mm. I mean, just just to wrap it, I mean, like, so obviously I haven't made my choice as far as the veteran romance goes, but I think overall her character is really interesting in terms of both being a Turian who is not explicitly raised in that Turian military-style background, but also as a character who, like I said, they're not really defined by what they've left behind, they're defined by what they've brought with them and what that says about their character. Like, the idea that they have something that's still keeping them tied to who they were in the Milky Way and their story is very much about letting go of that and learning to live a new life rather than kind of forcing themselves into a situation where they have to develop a new life I thought was very interesting so I I like I like Vetra's character I'm probably going to end up romancing her just because I want to see how that stuff plays out and also because like I don't know PB's cool and I really like the one scene with her and her ex in the apartment and that's like mostly the one thing that's keeping me hanging on to the pb romance but otherwise uh vetra is just a really interesting character who again i would have loved to have seen if vetra had the garris style intro in a mass effect andromeda 2 where you walk into a building and she's there with a sniper rifle being like Mm. took you long enough (laughs) like yeah it's I find it ironic that you say that you want to romance Vetra to see how it all is, when ultimately the saddest part about the Vetra romance is that you don't see anything after she pushes you on the bed. And it's, really? It's so tragic. Yeah, so she they has still, a faded black. They still haven't... Okay, because I have questions. Like, that like I you think cowards! Animate art... Turians! Like, yeah, I think only can't... fan art and fanfic has answered the questions that I have about this. And I'm just going to... We talked about this the last time you were on here, didn't we, Natalie? It <laughs> <laughs> was the exact same conversation we had last time. <laughs> the cycle of life. It just goes on and on. <laughs> I'm in the flat circle. But yeah, it is, it's so... It was so disappointing for me because I was like... Oh, you know, they, they've learned from the criticism, the all the fanfics that have gone into deep detail about how their plates move and whatever. I know Good all God. the science behind <laughs> it. And I was like, you know, I'm not expecting them to, like, animate, you know, everything in detail. But, like, like give me something more than a fade out, you know? And... All these years later, and they still hit me with that fade out. And I was just like, y'all, like, this is Turian fuckerphobic. Like, do y'all realize what you're doing to me right now? I'm so upset. Yeah, like, it's, it's so like- funny because if you look up on YouTube, Vetra sex scene, there's literally this video titled Sex with Vetra dot 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 kinda. And I'm like, oh wow, mood. <laughs> mood. <laughs> 
I just dropped a gif, another community gif, in the Discord channel that we have here that's of Troy turning over his D&D character sheet to start taking notes. <laughs> because <laughs> that's... <laughs> What I'm saying, what your main takeaway should be from this episode of Normandy FM is that you should watch the show mm-hmm. Community because it's a very good show. And also Especially, read Turian fanfics. And also read Turian fanfic while you yeah. do so. You can multitask. Yeah. There's a lot of science in there, yeah. Just valuable <laughs> biological knowledge. I've never, I've never heard air quotes around a word until now when you were like, there's a lot of science in there. <laughs> <laughs> I could hear those air quotes. <laughs> I know. But uh, in terms of the bachelor romance, I do find that last scene very endearing. Um, wait, since you're going to do yeah. the romance, I guess I won't talk about it. But it's it's very endearing and sweet and just encapsulates sort of how earnest she is and how awkward she could yeah. be about when like she very much so yeah she mm-hmm. it's interesting because I feel like a lot of the people like people like her. They're very bad at, like, talking about love, whereas they're very good at showing it. A lot of people have the opposite problem. But people like her are very good at showing love in terms of the actions that they do. Like, she's literally dedicated her whole life to save her sister. You can't... Like, her sister, if she says that Vetra doesn't love her, like, I I don't know what you want, sis. But in terms of saying that she loves her sister or saying to you that she loves you, it takes her a lot of effort. And it's kind of funny in this last scene for the first time, she just really struggles to show how she loves someone. And also like, like it does like a little shift. Like she, she ends up, you know, like saying it, like I love you, but she's very bad at at trying to show it. And it's so endearing and cute. And it's really nice to see like her insecurities come out because she's, She's so dedicated to what she does that she doesn't really, like, go into, like, her personal, like, insecurities too much, I think. Um, And so it's very nice to just see them come out in the open. And you can tell that she just really cares about you in that way. And, yeah, it's a really good romance scene. Besides the not seeing anything part. You hate to not see it. You hate to... (laughs) That was perfect. Oh, Oh my God. That was perfect. Oh, my God. On that note, Natalie, thank you so much for joining us this week. We are so happy to have you you on every time we can. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be Normandy FM's Turian fucker expert. And it's a title and badge that I will wear proudly for the rest of my days until I actually do get to bang a Turian. God willing, we'll God get off willing. this planet. God willing. Please, can the aliens come for us before climate change kills us all? Thank you. Well, the good news is, while we don't have any more Turians to bone, if you out there, the listener, do want to hear more of Natalie and more of the problematic romances that she so loves, <laughs> you should head on over to patreon.com slash normandyfm, where we currently have a goal of doing the Dragon Age games. We are very close to it. And yeah, because, they are. Yeah. Because Ken and I are not smart people, we decided to put all three of the Dragon Age games into one category. So that means <laughs> if we hit that goal, we're going to do all three of them. <laughs> that's a lot. Y'all that's are like the a gift whole... that keeps on giving. That's a whole other year. We're going to have to probably please, rename please the money, podcast. Please, I need validation for my soulless love. It's been, <laughs> listen, it's been like five to six years. I am withering. Please give them money so that I can come on here and talk about soulless. You know, by the time that we get 
to that point. It'll be like a year. Dragon from Age now. Four will be like a real thing yeah. in the world that we can see, and like really, because I was gonna cool. say Dragon like, Age Four still won't come out because that's how I feel every day. Just... I mean, it probably won't be out yet, but we will at least have probably seen it. Like I would yeah. be know, very like, surprised, and I, and I can go off if it's not about the Inquisitor. Like it, it's not gonna be. I would be very surprised if we don't see him? it. Who else can fight the Eggman? I know. I know, my man. I feel you, but it's it's not gonna be. I just. I I don't know. The Inquisitor is good. I just don't think they're that handy anymore. You know. And for more on this discussion and all our <laughs> thoughts and arguments between ourselves around these thoughts, just give some money to Normandy FM so that they can actually make it happen. Exactly. Right? You can head over to Patreon.com/slash Normandy FM, where wonderful patrons like one Ruben are contributing excellent money. If you want to get your name shouted out like Ruben, you head over, you hit that tier, you get us to Dragon Age, you get us to more Bioware games. Maybe we end up playing KOTOR or Anthem or other games that we have signed up to. I think Jade Empire is the next one after Dragon Age, I think. Oh my god, Eric, what if we do... That sounds right. Eric, what if we do a Fire Emblem Three Houses podcast? I mean, look, if we want to start <laughs> setting extra tiers, we can go ahead and tack all the... We can just go ahead and tackle all the games with romance in them and choices and branching paths, all of it. Eric and Kenneth are the experts. Like, come on, you. you Our Persona 5 podcast will be scathing. <laughs> will... Oh my god, me! Oh, oh boy. And I, and I will try to be on it to deliver my hot takes, too, because, oh boy, do I have... Many oh, we've got game. plenty of those um, to go around. Natalie, got... just, just out of pure curiosity, you've played Persona 5, right? You've played through all of it? Unfortunately, yes. Who who did you romance? I romanced Futaba. Okay, not the murderous mm. energy I was expecting, but... Yeah, it was more like the narcissistic energy, because okay. Futaba is literally me. Okay. So <laughs> okay. I was like, I'm going to romance myself and enjoy it. I would have seen you going for the doctor, but that... Uh, no, I didn't. She was very hot, but I did not. I I scaled it back a little. I, I have my moments. I, I scale it back every now and then. Like, like you know, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Like, the first half of the game, Dimitri's perfectly fine for the most part. And I went for that. And now I'm just stuck in... Oh, so, I don't know. So, Dimitri phase. Second half, Dimitri's got some energy, too. I just... You got to get further into that game. He's got some energy too. Don't worry. Uh, y'all, just come on. Like, yeah, you can't miss out on these great discussions. Like the thirty-minute discussion we had before we started this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want to, if you don't want to head over to the Patreon, at least head over to our Twitter.com/slash NormDFM Show, where you can follow all our updates. We post on Spotify. We post on. Apple Music, I think. iTunes, I don't know what they call it nowadays. <laughs> the Google Play Store. We post on SoundCloud. We're everywhere. If you're a patron, you can get those episodes early. Next week, uh, Josh, Josh Silverman from Constantly Calibrating will be on the show to talk That's all things name. drag. Ken, we're just blowing through the guest episodes. We've got so many. We've got so many. We're halfway through. It's amazing. And they've all been wonderful, including Natalie. Thank you again for coming on. Oh, and thank you for having me. Shout outs to everyone out there who listened. Thank you. We'll see you next week for Draft here on Normandy FM.